everyone and welcome to this live episode of To The Moon Allison where we talk about the top and trending works in speculative fiction, romance, science fiction, and fantasy. I am your host Allison Martine Hubbard, author of works of contemporary romance and speculative fiction. I am so excited to be joined today by multi-award winning author Premi Mohammed, who is here to talk about about 75 different projects, is that right? I think it's 75. Yeah, 75. Um, that's just this month, I think, because we were just talking before we went live. And I'd, I'd like for you to say a little bit about yourself, because you are Indo-Caribbean in Canada, writer in residence, award winning for Aurora Nebula World Fantasy, I think. And I don't know how you can remember all those things. So you might just like read your own bio for us, because I probably botched some of that. And then we'll talk about the books that are coming out just like in the next few minutes. And maybe some of the stuff you did before. How does that sound? That sounds really good. And you're right. I actually am going to go to my bio, which actually needs updating anyway. But hi, thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. Um, yes, I am a I'm a scientist. My background is in science. I'm currently the um, writer in residence at the Edmonton Public Library downtown. So the big library that looks like a tank. Uh, that's that's the one I'm in. Um, yes, I I have one. A handful of awards. I've also been a finalist for some other awards, the Hugo, Ignite, Locus, British Fantasy, and Crawford Awards. That's all and of them, actually. As far I think as it may be all of them. Yeah, the speculative genre. There are other awards that you wouldn't be eligible for based on like genre, but I think that's all the biggies. Even some of the ones that people are like, I don't even like that one anymore, and you still want it. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I, I just want to collect, like, all of them, like the EGOT or whatever of, of yes. speculative fiction, which I don't, know, I don't know what ours, what ours would be. But, yeah, I'm also an assistant editor at uh, Escape Pod, which is a short science fiction venue. And, yeah, I, I also write books. And you're right that I have um, 175 books releasing this month. And... Uh, for the rest of 2024, I actually don't think that there's a number that large. So we no, it's just it. the infinity loop. And that's fine. And I, I was when I was getting dressed today, I don't always dress like in costume. But this shirt reminds me of the cover of your novella, Butcher of the Forest, which was the first thing of yours I read. And like, it was funny because you had something on Instagram today. See, yes, you can't see the colors quite as well. And pretend that I have some horrific animals woven in here. I don't, but I would love that. Um, but you had something on Instagram today comparing the two that are coming out soon just to kind of keep them straight for people going, wait, didn't you just have a book come out? This isn't the book I just bought. What's happening here? And this one I described as, I don't remember reading that fairy tale because that trend of fairy tale retellings is hot right now. This is not a fairy, fairy tale retelling. This is like, a fairy tale they forgot to teach us because it felt so freaking authentic and messed up and like grim version, not Disneyfied. Oh, I don't know if you in the Disney version, but you know, if uh, if if is it Verilis? Is that my singer? Yes. Varys. If she if she starts singing, I'm I don't think that's right. But they made Alphabet sing too, and they've made all sorts of people who probably shouldn't sing break into songs. So they always make the villains sing, and I, I like I tend to like the villain songs, but I don't want the villain to sing in this one. And no. yeah, I keep having to. Um, you're right. I keep having to tell people like this it's is not, not a retelling. fairy tale retelling. This mm -hmm. just has fairy tale vibes. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like it could be a fairy tale if it existed a couple hundred years ago. Like the only thing you missed was you were born way too late. And probably yeah, more because most of this, the vibes felt very like old uh, Germanic, 
like the ones that came out of the dramatic forest where everything's dark and people don't come out because that is basically the plot of your book the forest is dark and people don't come back people don't come back yeah, and thank you for pointing that out too because i was trying to go for something more um uh continental rather than like british or like english or mm -hmm. irish or or celtic yeah. or whatever mm -hmm. um this is definitely like a black forest. This is yeah. this is the forest that people go in, and it's just so big and dangerous and unknown. And of course, the people that live in the valley know that, and the people who invade and come in and conquer, yeah, they yeah. don't know that, or they don't <laughs> believe it. And they don't believe it. They've heard the tales, and they're they like, uh, the uh, uh, "I don't really yeah. want to." It sounds fake. Sounds fake. I think we can just go in and like bulldoze Ferngully too. So yeah, dude, we just we showed that to our kids recently, and my kids keep going. This is just like Avatar. I'm like, we've told you that this came first, first. of all. <laughs> first of all, yes, we all know Avatar is Pocahontas meets Ferngully, but everyone's blue. But yeah, they they hadn't seen the original stuff first, and I don't know how any of them who can't like they can barely sit through a TikTok, and yet they sat through Avatar. I don't understand this. But yeah, like they don't they don't need to do that, and I don't want to see this movie. The movie version of yours, animated, <laughs> disney too much, just because I feel like it would lose how horrifically beautiful it is. Because, but that's that's kind of what Disney likes to do. They're like, let's just polish over all of that stuff. Except it's for fine. the movie of Notre Dame, where yeah, it's all good. Kind of where they kind of <laughs> left some of the horror in, and I was like, wow, I'm surprised this is a Disney. The, the, the self-flagellation or yeah, you know, the, the hellfire song yeah that or uh, the like you are nobody loves you and you are ugly song yeah <laughs> i said i get that one in my head sometimes I'm like i should probably not be singing this while i'm doing the dishes yeah yeah it's not good for my mental health but let's not sing this in front of the children yeah, <laughs> like, they have out enough with rapunzel where it's like oh you're here too it's like ooh, that's a bad i'm not mother gothel okay thank you <laughs> although i did read that book recently book of gothel which was excellent okay. also that Mary McMahon, I've been pronouncing her name wrong too because she was pronouncing her last name wrong. So lots of us don't know how to pronounce our own names. We were talking beforehand because pray me, yeah, no one told her how to pronounce her name for years. So we're still all working on it. It's a work in progress. And I'm it gonna bungle probably the names of everybody except for the names I can I can do Nikki and Johnny, which is beneath the rising. Yeah, Those yeah. are names that I'm probably not gonna botch, but uh Siege of Burning Grass. Is it is it Alfred? Okay. I didn't yeah. know if I how many syllables well, to put and, in that. And also, um, you know, I, I haven't heard the audio book of that, so I don't know how they're pronouncing it. So what, however they pronounce it, that's going to be key. <laughs> and however I say it in my head cannot possibly be because I am just the author. New question. Like no one, no one cares to ask you. I mean, you hope that they would ask those, but I know I talk to certain authors and then I start pronouncing the names just like the, the narrator did. And they're like, that's, that's not right. I'm like, but your narrator, like, that's not right. I'm like, well, it is now. Sorry. This is the problem with um, with speculative fiction generally, and just like sometimes keyboard smashing a name and liking it on the page and not knowing oh, the end. And then yeah. like, oh, although I, I like to tell this story too. So I have a novella called uh, "And What Can We Offer You Tonight." Oh, which, I have that one on audio. I just got yeah, it because it which, just came out um, now. You know, they Today. when we sold the audio rights, mm -hmm. uh, they sent me you know the spreadsheet, and we're like, "Well, how do you say this? How do you say this? How do you say this?" And I had used an Italian word in there that I liked and did not know how to say. <laughs> so they sent it to me, and I was like, mm, "I have no idea." Luckily, I was able to go to a friend, and I was like, "Okay, so help." Uh, I need can Italian you, help. Can you record a little video or or just a voice memo or something mm -hmm. like saying the word? And then using it as a sentence and then using it in a sentence in the book. Thank you so much. And she got back to me in like 20 minutes. And I was like, 
to. And the moral of the story is don't use real words that real Italians will like beat you up for pronouncing wrong. If you don't know what they are. If you don't know how to say yeah. it, just don't use no, them. No, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> fair, but there are certain cultures who I swear they chose letters that they really want me to get them wrong. And I'm, I'm looking mostly at the British Isles and most of the Gaelic names and anything where I'm like, I read it. And then my brain goes, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's right. Okay. Siobhan. I don't know how we're getting that from those letters there, but okay. And well, isn't there, a, there's like a B there. There's mm-hmm. like an H and there's, and, but we're not supposed to say any of those. Right. Whereas my children all have either Irish Gaelic names or Welsh names, but I pick phonetic ones so that, yeah. you know, if people mess them up. It's just because they don't know how to read. Like my middle child's name, people like to turn her into a color because the W it's, it's Bronwyn, but people mm. say Brownin. I'm like, no, that's just, you can't read. I'm sorry. That one, I will not, I will not take fault for the fact that you, you can't put the letters in the order I wrote them, but that's fine. But there are, there are certain ones where, especially depending on what your own background is, like mm-hmm. I grew up speaking English and learning Spanish. So I will try to do that to everything, including the cast of Les Miserables, which is <laughs> like French and Spanish are not the same. I'm like, I don't know how to pronounce this one with a J in it. Nobody knows. It's fine. It's fine. But, but I feel like your names for Siege of Burning Grass, some of them felt Germanic, but that may have been my just making things up going, I don't know what to do with Alfred. <laughs> because yeah. like Alfred, no, but it, it genuinely was um, just kind of keyboard smashing. Yeah. And then for people that I you know wanted to be associated with certain people, uh, mm-hmm. then I would try to sort of spin off. The name so there's names just match the same parts of the keyboard yes so like, i match the same parts of the keyboard this time yeah these numbers <laughs> yes <laughs> pretty much and then just yeah go back and like take out all the punctuation and stuff mm-hmm. yeah it's um yeah like, i don't really write a lot of like <laughs> secondary world stuff mm-hmm. uh I'm, I'm usually using names that i can pronounce at least that helps because you're so, like then i can yeah. like, tell the narrator what to do so i haven't yeah. started reading yet um and what can we offer you tonight? I Like I said, I saw it. I'm like, oh, there's a book here. And I want to go ahead and listen to one of them. And I got it. And I'm like, it's not going to be out yet. All right, what else we got? And so that's when I started listening to Beneath the Rising, which is a trilogy. And I think my first thought when I started listening to that, and I had already finished Butcher of the Forest, and I was starting to read Siege of Burning Grass, was how on earth do you get away with being in all of the speculative fiction lanes <laughs> at the same time? And no one says... Okay, Ms. Muhammad, you're gonna have to pick a lane here because you're like, I'm fairy tales, and this is like, is someone gonna ask you? You know, if they haven't yet, don't tell them. Not when, uh, when, and what can we offer you tonight? Came out, uh, which is you know, which is basically sci-fi. Okay, I Um, haven't read it. I've only seen the cover, and it's very pretty. It's got like pinks. Beautiful. I love that cover. But I don't know. Actually, that was that was one of my first covers that came out that wasn't like black and white or black and red. So I was like, oh, oh my God, color. Uh, like being in the Wizard of Oz. But yes. someone messaged me uh, and was like, you know, oh, I, I really liked the book, but I was surprised that it wasn't cosmic horror. And I was like, well, I read other stuff. Um, like, no, I don't no. think I can be pigeonholed just yet after only a couple of books. But they but, will. Yeah, I write lots of stuff. And that <laughs> has a lot of elements that come into a lot of different books. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I guess that's why I usually say speculative fiction author because it's a big yeah. umbrella. 
it is a big umbrella and it's i love everything and, and, and sarah harvey says it's because because premier is awesome, oh, awesome. Thank you. so that that works but uh, yeah but i i would say generally and this happens in the industry a lot is people will say okay well your first thing was in this kind of general realm like oh it's contemporary fantasy stay over here and i don't write in one lane either and mm. i'm waiting to be told this is where this is where you're successful follow that and mm. i've been looking at projects going how does this relate if this one sells would this one sell or would they say this is too different than this that they mm. don't want the same from your brand and the idea <laughs> of authors as a brand to me i just i hate it it makes me do i this. get bad vibes off that but yeah i think part of it is that no one's told me to stay in a lane good uh but also that i have worked with a lot of different editors and different presses that's how each of them thinks that they've got the brand. And I'm like, oh, I only did one book with you. Uh, that's not all of them. You didn't get to work on all of them. Like this year, I've got five books coming out with five different imprints. So I, I can't have a brand. One of them is a no. weird Western. I've never written one of those before. A Western? A weird Western with a okay. wild hunt. Ooh. <laughs> so I was going to say, I'm like, the only other, I'm trying to think how many books I've read that would fall under weird Western. And the only one I can think of is Josh Mallerman's Unburied Carol. I don't know if you've read that. Which... Uh, no, but I, I think it's a bit like uh, Black Mad Wheel, which is his other book that's sort of. It's not though. It's not a Western, <laughs> but it's like, I feel like it's part of it's in a desert. So I'm like, it is set in a desert. So I would give desert, but Unburied Carol, it feels like Old West and feels mm -hmm. that kind of vibe. Whereas Mad, Black, Mad Black Mule, which I'm always. Black Mad Wheel, Mad Black, I'm going to say it now, actually. I, I don't uh, know what order those words should come in, but that's mostly modern, contemporary. Yeah. Like no, it is modern, modern, yeah. But and, and the other reason this is a weird Western is because yes. it's uh, set in the future, not the past. So, okay. and, and Sarah says, Laura Ann Gilman has Devil's West. I haven't heard of that mm -hmm. one, so you'll have to tell me more about that one later. Laura Ann Gilman was kind enough to actually blurb this Western. So Okay, so she's apparently the expert on weird Western, so... Yeah. I, I like that as a new as a new genre. I don't know if it's all of us who are the rejects from watching Serenity and Firefly, and we're like, we want westerns in space, please, thank you. Um, like we don't, we don't want to kind of keep it to the past. We'd like to update it and let yeah. it do like other things. Why not have a western in the future? I mean, what do we think like Mad Max Fury Road is? I don't know. I mean, yeah, Dune is kind of a. I mean, there's a lot of sand. There's a lot of sand and worse. And spice. Uh, and drugs. That, oh, there's definitely drugs. So there are drugs in some of yours. I was going to say, you have you have drugs being delivered by interesting methodology, which uh, that's one of the things that I just loved the most about <laughs> Burning Grass is, like, I was telling my husband just a little bit about it. And I'm like, yeah, so they have bioengineered weapons and just bioengineered everything where animals have other purposes. And it's subtle how you first introduce it. And then it becomes more and more obvious. I'm like, oh. Literally, the word is lizard gun. Okay, I get it. Yep. <laughs> so there's, like, there's, there's, there's literally shot lizards, and they make ammunition. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I just threw that in there, and I was like, "Well, if my editor hates it, we can take it out." And my editor was like, "This is weird. This is the best thing ever." Yeah, I wouldn't want you to take that out because that, to me, was one of the most amazing things about it. And so, just as as I was reading this one, the first one is this is the fairy tale I'd never heard of, and this mm -hmm. is the World War II story that I've never heard of. That isn't World War II. It just kind of feels a little like World War II, but it's the war, war to end all wars, which is what I think everyone was told. Oh, sorry. You seem to have frozen up a little bit. Oh, I'm here. No, we're good. Sorry. Yeah, you no, it's not.
fairy tale one we never heard of. And then this one was, it's a war that we never heard of. That it yeah. feels kind of like World War II, but it isn't World War II, but it's the war to end all wars, but no war ever ends all wars. Yeah. And I think, um, and that's that's exactly kind of what I was going for, actually, is mm-hmm. World War II did not come out of nowhere. I mean, not oh. just that it came out of World War One, but that the foundations for both of those world wars had been set up for probably literally centuries since like the yep. 1700s. So in this case, it seems like the cycle of war is never going to end because both sides are just massive assholes. Am I allowed to swear on huh? this? Yes. Um, okay, good. <laughs> both sides are not backing down and both sides have the completely incorrect psychopathic sociopathic idea that the purpose of a war is to be one is to win a war when you know any reasonable person would look at this and be like this isn't a game and uh-huh. you shouldn't be trying. trying to win it yeah um and that too felt very world war Two. you know with mm-hmm. the propaganda on both sides, the lies on both sides, the civilians being uncertain as to why this time we're actually fighting, um, the use of the espionage, the use of small units, um, you know, and subversion and sedition and and treason and resistances. Um, That all felt very World War II-y to me, but I wanted to kind of explore that in a speculative setting because, you know, you write a World War II book, people bring all their baggage about World War II to the book, whereas in a speculative um, book, you, you're you more in control of, of the background knowledge. You're more in control of how characters interact and what the context is and, and what philosophies are being explored and how resistance looks and how propaganda looks. And um, so I had a friend who uh, told me, you know, if you just took out the made up words and set this in like the Balkans or something, this could win the Man Booker Prize. I'm like, I don't want the Man Booker Prize. Like that I was want the prize. Have all the other speculative novel. I would like a Hugo, not one of those. I kind of want a Hugo, yeah. although I recently learned apparently you're not supposed to ever touch them because the oils in your hands will like corrode the surface oh. and it'll get spots on it. I didn't know that. Haven't we engineered something better than this? First <laughs> off, no one's let me anywhere near one, so I wouldn't. Neither. Second, they should also then present it to you with little gloves, like little mittens. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe, so that does make sense though because do. I played handbells for years and mm-hmm. it bothers me because we always used to have to wear the little white gloves and some use little black gloves so yeah. that you do especially because you sometimes have to damp it with your thumb and you are yeah. never supposed to touch them my yeah. child my child has a group and none of the choirs play with handbell gloves and I'm like what are you doing? Why are you allowed to do that? Are you going to corrode your bell? Like this is a euphemism for something. This we actually mean. Handbells are corrode your bell. Whereas the nebula, which is like 16 pounds of lucite, you can get uh, marks all over that, and then you just wipe them off. uh, Wipe them off with a good cloth, like yeah. And Sarah says, like the Stanley Cup. I don't. No one will let me touch the Stanley Cup either. No one wants me near the Stanley Cup. I don't actually have any desire to touch the Stanley Cup, so I'm probably okay. But it might. I don't know, a whole lot of coffee because it's a really big, it's bigger than my cup. Yeah. But yeah, well, no, the, I think it's bigger than my cup, but my cup's pretty big. Your cup is big. I like that cup. Yeah. No, but so your book, you're right that people, you don't want people to be able to instantly just insert it in another war, mm. but there are elements there that they will ultimately still bring that same baggage. And I know mm. for me, just the weekend before I started reading it, we saw a World War II movie called Fury, which mm-hmm. Shia LaBeouf's in it. So I'm not really sure how valid the movie was, but <laughs> it was it was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it that was, it was super bloody, but it did mm-hmm. feature a young Logan Lerman. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you're 12 here. And he didn't want to fight. So that was part mm-hmm. of the thing for me was the resistance character. Mm-hmm. 
And you had the resistance character here in the forefront, which I just absolutely loved as, hey, what do you do when the main character in your war novel doesn't want to fight the war? Yeah, when he's actually opposed to the war. And I, I had to mention to you, because again, this was in some of the research that I did about the resistance, uh, you know, on the German side, on the, on the Russian side, there were people in pacifist groups who, yes, to the point cool. where if they were like, freezing to death in in the russian winter they wouldn't pick up a military jacket and put it on right. like that's that was the extent of their belief and i was like um that is that is an interesting thing for someone to do during active combat but i didn't want to focus on the combat i did want to focus on this pacifist character who's been treated like a monster all his life and is presumed mm -hmm. to be kind of the obvious choice to fight a war. And he's You're like, big monster, like stop telling me that I am a weapon. So <laughs> yeah, that was, exactly. that was him. And, you know, I loved, I loved writing Alifrit. I was loved making him as complex as, as possible. You yeah. Know? I, I loved how you handled it. And it was really funny because again, there were things that you did not right off the bat. So it took longer for me to understand who this was about him. And that because this isn't the forefront of his mind, it isn't until it comes up that it's like, oh, he is someone who's not just large. He is physically, something's not right with him. There's, there's, they didn't necessarily outline he's this or he's that, but he's like seven feet tall and all this stuff. So on one hand, not only was he seen as a weapon, but they also presumed he was stupid. It's like he's a school teacher or he was until everything started blowing up, including him. So there's, there's that part of it too. It's like, yeah, you kind of have some issues here, but then I was going, okay, so now I'm trying to cast it in my head, but then everybody I'm coming up with, I'm like, is that insulting to think that they would play that role really well? Like, yeah. like I'm sorry. I think of you as, well, you're a good looking man. I'm sure you're, but with the right makeup, maybe. I, I don't know. But I would love to see Dave Bautista to do it just because he's nice and big, but mm -hmm. he can also bring the seriousness to it. But that mm -hmm. may also just because I saw him in Knock at the Cabin. He's not seven feet tall, though. He's big. Mm -hmm. He's not seven feet tall. Yeah. I don't know. I, this is one of the ones where it's like, uh, I, I haven't like, what's the word? Uh, fan, fan cast it? Yeah. Dream cast, like yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I have a mental image of kind of this this big shadowy figure for Alifrit, mm -hmm. but the shadows. Now you're like, yeah, uh, because I never do say what his facial differences or anything like that, or no. or, or what his disabilities are, mm -hmm. or you know any of his conditions or whatever. They don't have a name for it. They're just like you're a big ugly monster. Yeah, um, you know, whereas Butcher of the Forest might be a little bit easier, even though I am lousy with actor names. <laughs> but like, there are so many like brilliant world weary women actors in their 40s that i think could play Varys. i just i don't know who they are <laughs> like it'll just depend on whose filming schedule works that week if they're not too yeah. busy. <laughs> else because i want someone who's in demand okay so let's i want someone who's in demand i almost exactly. got like rebecca ferguson or someone like that i really love rebecca i ferguson. love rebecca ferguson i just love her and you know she i think can do that kind of god i am so tired of this shit mm -hmm. <laughs> but they would have to do a lot to make her look really weary because yeah. I've seen her look kind of weary and she's still really gorgeous. She's still so really trying to not, yeah. yeah. If you don't, if you don't want her to, to be like, put some black under her yeah. eyes or whatever. Um, yeah. Like, like get less rest. Throw some dirt on her. <laughs> <laughs> like we got it. We got to make this a little worse. You don't, you don't look like you've suffered enough in this forest. Uh, well, okay. What if we, what if we have her live in like a medieval village recreation <laughs> Uh, for like three weeks or four weeks, and then, and then we start filming. Then you start filming. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That that might work. That that you also would need 
children and children as actors I have no idea Um, Uh, I don't know any kid actors and then someone was asking me like oh same with the tyrant who would you cast as the tyrant I'm like I don't know some evil guy just someone generically evil is good just someone generically evil do we know anyone generically evil and then I couldn't think of any names I'm like some guy (laughs) generic dude who plays evil and there are people who I'm like you're always a bad guy are you actually a bad person I wonder if they're nice in real life do you ever do that when you watch somebody and they only seem to ever play villains and you go are they actually just and then if you ever see them in something not playing a villain you just get like deeply confused it's like uh, watching the matrix like before you end up watching like Priscilla Queen of the Desert and being like Mm -hmm. Agent Smith (laughs) <laughs> I I don't know what to do with you. you go, Why are you in drag? <laughs> I don't understand this. Why are well, you a hero? Well, and I've even had this. Okay, so this has even happened to me with audiobooks, where certain narrators I associate with certain characters so strongly that when I listen to them as something else, I'm like, well, I've already decided you're the hero because I love you so much, and then yeah. you realize that that's coloring the whole perception. But I've had certain narrators like that. I'm like, but but I loved you in this, so you must not be a bad guy. And then when it turns out that they're not a bad guy, I'm like, see, I knew it. But see. See, I didn't fall for it, but that was because of the narrator. I'm like, nope, you were too lovable. And they're like, but I was trying to seem like possibly a serial killer or a murderer or possibly even a kidnapper. I'm like, nah, you're nice. I like you. It's fun. fall for it. Yeah. Yeah. And there there are certain actors I feel that way about too, where I'd be like, you can't be a bad guy. Even if you did the wrong thing, you didn't mean it. (laughs) I mean, there were choices in this movie. Some people died, but you're still a good guy. Exactly. And I, and, and you need to make sure that that, that person can't, like, you can't have, oh, now I'm forgetting his last name, Rahul Kohli. You can't have him play the tyrant because I love him and he is always lovable. And I don't care if he's someone who makes poor choices, but he is always lovable and he can't, no. Besides, I don't think he would be in Germany, probably. No, uh, my my mental image of him too is someone like just, just unpleasantly sort of pale. Uh, Me! He's uh, a... He's a, he's the kind of like nasty pale where you're like, you just look, you look ill or you look. Oh like, yeah. 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 Sickly girl. Like, yeah. You need unpleasant. So maybe some unknown actor. I don't know. No one's offering to make a movie of it anyway. So they should I, know, because, I mean, the problem with some of these, okay. And I don't think it's a spoiler, but there's certain things to, at least for, so for the siege of burning grass, you would have some technological things that you would need a decent budget for some of the effects. That's true. Just make yeah. that work. Now I don't feel like, well, Butcher of the Forest, you got some things happening that are, you could probably use Muppets, but it would probably look better without Muppets. So I'm just saying. I, probably don't just as, as an older millennial who was brought up on like Labyrinths and yeah. movies you can and, do and Legend and stuff, mm-hmm. I would not be averse to Muppets because I think Labyrinth was kind of like a large inspiration for this. Yeah. No, I think that would, I would, and see the thing is when I say Muppets, people are like, yeah, Alice and Muppets. I'm like, no, but really, yeah. like, hear no, me out. No, we're not like, we're not Muppets. talking like casting animal in there. We're no. talking like mm-hmm. puppets. Better. We're talking like the things, the land striders in the dark crystal, which yeah, like that. nightmares, even though they were nice. Yeah, or or like more. the you know the wall of talking hands and stuff in labyrinth. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, which way? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know that that kind of eighties ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vibe. And, and- it makes me sad because so many effects have gotten away from the practical effects. Yeah. It looks better than the practical effects. And I love when we can still do practical effects and say, okay, all the, all the money we were going to do for the computer effects, let's put it into getting a team of people building the sets, mm-hmm. creating these things and actually make them three-dimensional and in, able to interact. Yeah. But they can also get, you know, Rocket the Talking Raccoon. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's real. So sometimes yeah. the effects really are good enough that I'm going, well, if, if they can, that's like, really a raccoon. That's a trade. 
they're able to uh if they're able to blend them together then we could do great things with like that scene with the fox man who's also a man and a fox yeah no he's he's both and yeah, he's both. and i mean i think you can get you said legend do it was already a, a unicorn there you can just yeah. borrow as we just borrow the unicorn um, unicorn. We can just polish it up a little bit um, you know, probably it hasn't been out of storage for a while. We could just reuse the unicorn. Yeah, and, I mean, um, they, yeah, they you know, this nice when they're not using. Okay, Sarah wants to know if Jeremy Irons is still working. Are you saying for the tyrant he's not sickly enough? We could he has, put some he white has, foundation on him and give him a black wig. Okay. That's, yeah, that's fair. And, okay, and then I don't know. So beneath the rising is the one that. I am still listening to in the first one, but that's a trilogy. Mm-hmm. And that one, you probably could get away with, I don't know, just borrow whoever's done with Percy Jackson because it's youngish kids. So I just say mm-hmm. borrow them over. I don't yeah. think that's because at the start of the start long. of the first book, uh Johnny is 17, Nick is 18. So yeah. you just need like some oldish looking teenagers or some mm-hmm. youngish looking 20-somethings to get around the child labor laws, and then you should be good. <laughs> I tried to explain that to my kids. I'm like, that's why they use twins. What? And I talked to them. <laughs> okay, so you know Wanda from WandaVision, her sister, because they're like, I don't understand any of this. I'm like, it's it's fine. They and also, it. it's kind of a long story, and it starts back in, like, the 80s. So <laughs> Yeah, there is, there is all that, because you need to have the younger version of them. And it's one of those books that I'm like, okay, so I'm reading this, mm-hmm. and it's all timeline, but just barely, because mm-hmm. you start with some basic facts about Oh, wait till you get to the second book. book. Oh dear. I haven't gotten to the second book. I have like an hour left of this one yet. It's okay. like, I can't catch up when I'm like, you've written 800 books by, right. and you're only an elder millennial. So that, that I'm an elder millennial. That, yes. that puts you at, at least a little bit younger than me because I am, I am Oregon trail gen, but I'm still technically uh, gen X, but just like barely. But like, are, are you on like the one year side of the divide or whatever? Two, I think. Cause I, okay. I don't know where the line is, but I'm, I'm 78. So it's that, okay, that barely line. And yeah, yeah with the, the latchkey kids and yeah. the, uh, the Oregon trail where since my mom was a substitute teacher, she died of dysentery quite a lot in that yeah. game. They would always plug her in. So I'm like, Oh mom, yeah, we didn't get to die of dysentery as much as we wanted because we actually were only allowed to play Oregon trail after we had finished. <laughs> Uh, what was it called? It was either Reader Rabbit or Typer Rabbit because they started teaching us to type in like grade three. So if you worked on typing Rabbit for like half an hour, then you could play Oregon Trail for like 15 minutes. That's fair. Well, and I was to say, did you grow up in Canada? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know if they'd even let you have that because there's like, no, oh, that's American propaganda. You don't want that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we had a Canadian version, but yeah, like people are like, well, you're a very fast typist. I'm like, I was seven when they started teaching us how to type. And Rabbit. they bribed us with Oregon Trail. <laughs> no, I mean, that's actually probably a good thing. And maybe I should be bribing my kids because one of mine is still like doing this because oh, yeah. she's used to being on a flat keyboard, just, mm. you know, pulling up the numbers and swiping. I'm like, no, you can't swipe. Swiper, stop swiping. They don't watch it. <laughs> that's that's not something that they can they can really manage yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you need to do that. But I want them to learn while they're still possibly wanting to learn. Yeah. I learned in high school on an actual typewriter. So mm-hmm. I'm like super old and that having to do, cor- I'm like, correction tape. And my kids are like, what is correction tape? And they only recently learned what whiteout is because they're like, oh, oh. my God. I don't understand. Yeah. Well, and and again, having to like put the thing through and strike it through. And it's an art that they hopefully will never have to learn. But yeah, yeah those are those are different things. And so you would have to have 
for for beneath the rising you need to have the younger siblings so so if you have like a, an olsen situation where you have younger yeah, sisters yeah. And younger, that would work uh maybe some culkins running around um bannings yeah, yeah. but they're all too old now so they're all they're all too old we need like a new we need a new child star dynasty there might mm -hmm. be one out there, there could i don't be. know about it i feel like i haven't recently seen a lot of like recent ish movies that have <laughs> kids in them and then if they do have kids in them i don't know the kids names well yeah i feel like there aren't the breakout stars like the uh hayley joel osmonds anymore yeah. mostly because i think hopefully parents learned not to do that to their children but again uh, you know you never know and i know i think the last times i've seen children have been in mike flanagan properties where they've mm -hmm. got like little kids playing ghost you know what things. i feel like it's probably that well it's probably different on tv i bet it's different on tv yeah. because I, I don't watch TV either. I don't have cable and I don't watch a lot of streaming. And mm -hmm. um, you may have figured out this, this is because I'm constantly on deadline. So I, can't no, I don't know when you have time like, to watch anything. I can't watch anything. Or, no. or sometimes if I'm doing like edits or something, I'll have something I've watched before in the yeah. other monitor, but that's the best I can do. I can't watch like, any stuff. I don't have nothing time. new. Don't nothing new, no novelty. Not until I hand everything in that I'm supposed to be handing in. <laughs> well, okay, so you have, so the first one that's coming out right now, we've got Butcher of the Forest, which is actually a novella. So if anybody's like, I don't have time to read a whole book, oh, go yeah, read that because it's, it's a novella. It's not, you can probably read it in a sitting if you sit still for long enough. Yeah. And then Siege of Burning Grass is in March. Yeah. And then you have more stuff coming out. Now, are those also ones, when does the Weird Western come out? Is that uh, next? I'm not sure. My, we're still okay. uh, working on the cover for that. I did just get okay. blurbs though. So literally might be the next couple months. That'll be with uh, Absinthe Books, okay. which is out of uh, PS Publishing. And um, so I'm not sure when that's coming out. That one's called The Rider, The Ride, The Rich Man's Wife. Um, yeah. Okay. You know, it's, it's kind of got a rhythm to it, like a skipping song. No, I like it. And yeah. well, so you say that and that makes me have to go back to the Siege of Burning Grass because you do some gorgeous things in there with your world building by way, not just a physical world building, but the theological and philosophical world building about who believes in what gods and what gods other people might believe in or don't believe in anymore or say they believe in, but the government got rid of mm -hmm. and what secret things are still happening. And then certain things that call and response that you have in there and how that call and response. Oh, you mm -hmm. can't say that because that will give you away as being from this background. Yeah, I really Where like that. that from? I love um, that. I don't know if I it was inspired by something or just some idea they're like oh I should do this yeah no I can't I literally I can't remember where I got that idea from it was definitely from a history book but what they were talking about was not people verbally doing it they were talking about runes I think oh so runes um so a specific rune and as a call and then a response to the specific rune kind of to say you know that you had been by and that you were from the same tribe so the theory I think from that book was um if that was happening uh, with writing then it probably was also happening orally and was just kind of uh, a way for in-group people to recognize that you're in group mm -hmm. um, and if someone came from out group and you wanted to bring them in you would teach them the call and the response the way kids would kind of absorb it naturally mm -hmm. um, and if they they showed up and they didn't know it and they didn't want to learn it well maybe you guys couldn't get along but like here I thought it would also be useful for mm -hmm. like the you know, because it is a war book, but it's also a spy book. So yeah. I thought it would be useful for the spy stuff mm -hmm. as well. Um, you know, kind of the, like a call phrase, almost like, use this so we know that you are in group. Like mm -hmm. this, 
this is the rune we recognize. You just you rune we recognize, yeah. or you smoke it, and you're like, oh dear, okay, that person is, yeah. or, or like not knowing someone, like you you wrote the rune, but somebody told you the wrong rune, so now we've got another problem, you know? Like, yes. Well, yeah. and so the other character, that's the other primary character, who's Kudur, like yeah. Alifret. Okay, say his name. Uh, I, in my head, I had it as Kajur. Okay, because okay, it's K H or it's Q H U. So I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, breaks all the rules I've learned for any language. So I didn't know if it was a Q or Q. Yeah, I've been in my head. I've been using it as like a hard K. So like hard K. Yeah. That works. Yeah. Like a Kardashian. It's fine. Yeah. And and then and then so he's kind of the counterpoint. So all the things that we love about Alfred, he's like. And then I'm the opposite. But yeah, we gotta, be, we gotta be odd couple here working together, except not mm -hmm. really. And I'm gonna sleep on your crutch so you can't leave without me. Like that's yeah. Awesome. Awesome. yeah. Like, he's not crutch. just a generic asshole, he's also a specifically oh. very ableist one. I feel like and, I know this asshole. Yeah, and I feel like I've dated this asshole. And like <gasps> we broke up because he was like that to everybody. Dude. Like he would see a commercial for and okay, this this will age me, but you know, he would see like those gap khaki commercials. Uh -huh. And you know, he'd be like, Oh Jesus, why do they have a fat girl in there? Like, okay, well, you're they you're should be naked. Black girls exist, and you know we may want to buy khakis from the gap, like, possibly. And know, also, like, why would you just say that? It's just a commercial. But that was, you know, he had to express his personality every mm -hmm. chance he got. Ugh. Like, I just, yeah, I'm glad that he's that a past tense person. That didn't last very long. That didn't last very long. First, um, well, and I feel like it's at least nice, and somebody who is so overt with that, mm. they don't hide who they are. So at least you can go, hmm, I'm mm. going to make an informed choice. Walk yeah. away. Walk away. I'm leaving. And, you know, just <laughs> I think of that, that piece of advice that we're constantly told, which is that when people tell you who they are, believe, believe them. them. <laughs> believe them. And that, you know, there's Alifrit thinking, yes, but uh, people can change. I can change. I've seen people change. And Kudur is there like, well, I'm not fucking changing. I don't want to change. I don't want to change. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of another thing I wanted to express about like some of the reading that I've been doing before and, and during writing the book is the presence of fanatics, not religious fanatics, but like military fanatics mm -hmm. and how often they appear in the literature as something else, um, yeah. you know, as people uh, who are claimed to be heroes or people who screwed up an operation because they couldn't wait or or people who went over their commanding officers heads because they we're so gung-ho to get at the enemy or people who turned out to be secret serial killers or secret torturers or, or something like that. And you're like, fanaticism, that is the word we are looking for. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. Um, and I can't believe how many different accounts from different conflicts and different countries I am reading about. How is this possible? I just, it's, it's very universal. Let's put it that way, which is why it applies so well in your book, which is set in a war that doesn't exist on a, on a, place and places that aren't here aren't now but feel like i've lived through this i've seen this except i don't remember having wasps that can regrow limbs that part's new yeah we were so like that that part made me go, hmm. yeah that's and the uh I, I also liked the uh you know and again i was waiting for my editor to take this out but the nameless doctor he doesn't have a name because he sold his name because so he had a very like, he had a very fancy uh expensive family name and it turns out in this world you can just sell them if you need the money so he did that yeah, there was there was a, a thing about names, and then uh, later there are people who they encounter who are like, we all go by these symbols mm -hmm. instead yeah, of like, the animal like, names. Yeah. Which personally, 
I love that because it's a lot easier for me to remember animals than it is mm-hmm. for me to remember more people's names. However, half of those names of animals, I'm like, I don't know what one of those is. They're not real animals. Some of them are. They're made up. Some of them are. Yeah. Like rattlers. But, uh, rattlers yeah, like it, is, nice. it is a secondary world. So exactly. I was just allowed to kind of go I wild. Do want. <laughs> yeah. I do what I want. And my editor was like, no, no, no. I love it. I was like, thank you, Dave. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting me do this. Because I thank you for letting me do this. Yeah, he actually, um, I appreciated him because this is like the my God, um, that would have been like the fifth book that we had worked on together. So by that point, an editor is very much like, you know, um, I know what you're getting at, and if you're doing yeah. something that I'm about to make a comment on, because it's you, you get a little more leeway, and I know mm-hmm. that you put that in there on purpose. You didn't do that by accident, and later on, you're going to explain it. And yeah, then it'll, it'll you're all get a comment saying, aha, I knew you were going to. <laughs> this makes sense at this point now. Yeah, so like, the, book oh. was, the book was lightly but thoughtfully edited. And I really appreciate that. Like he did not try to knock any of the weirdness out of it. Any Good. of the, you know, the, the inappropriate things that people say or any of the, you know, any of the real fanaticism or the, the gore or the anything like that. And, you know, I was trying to keep it away from like, battle scenes on the front because that's not really yeah. what the book is about it's about ending the war exactly uh, so we know the war is going on we don't have to go down there and have 50 pages of like battle we just no. and honestly those things are hard to follow and i thought mm-hmm. i was actually going to comment that you handled things as far as the physicality at times of conflict because it isn't there aren't battle scenes but there are things that happen where there's physical description necessary about explosions that are happening or whatever's going Mm -hmm. on and you handle that very very well including the fact that there's disorientation and that whole feeling of okay why does it feel like that so far away when i can see it's right there because of the inability to get where you're going because of Mm -hmm. everything happening and and then also showing how your characters are through that even the Mm -hmm. thought of "Hmm, i kind of hope that guy dies it, would it be wrong if I hope that guy dies? Yeah, yeah. I, I shouldn't be thinking I should. Okay, but maybe it would be better for me if that guy just died. Yeah, but oh, he didn't die. All right. in, in certain <laughs> fictional narratives, if some people do die because they're terrible. But even, but not even they're not real. Your character thinking. Yeah. If that guy dies. Oh, too bad. That's oh, too bad. Yeah, I, I really uh, felt like I was working hard to get into Alifred's head as our point of view character. And it worked. For that. So the so the world is very much filtered through how he's seeing things. And so part of the book is kind of that filter breaking down a little bit as yeah. as he goes along and like people chipping off pieces of the filter. And he's like, oh man, you know, I this is all stuff I wish I hadn't seen. I wish I yeah. wish I wasn't looking at any of this very clearly. I wish I didn't. Well, and having to have, because then there are points then where those those views are held up to him and going, is this the world you want to live in? Because mm. if you take this to the extreme, like the idea of, if I just killed this person when I could have back then, what could I have saved? But if I'm nonviolent, then I can't do that, including here, because mm-hmm. if they extrapolate it out, then which are the just killings and which aren't? And yeah. that kind of view of the extreme has problems because yeah. then you have to take it to that limit. But for me, yeah. you are amazing. We are we are a little over 40 minutes and I want to be respectful of your time because you have like 87 books you're writing like right now. I also and have like 13 meetings this week. Okay. <laughs> and and it's and it's crazy with all these things Sorry. coming out. But I'm so glad you were able to join us today and to talk about several of these books and be listening. Look for Premi's books on audio and as they're coming out but you can't go to just like one place so do you see where it's scrolling below her website has all this she's going to update it but you can see the line like the list of books just pull a few of them and if you aren't sure which one to start with message me and i'll tell you a little bit about the ones i've at least read 
don't bother Premi. She's got a lot going on. Just for <laughs> no, so bother me. I like attention. Oh, okay. Then then bother her. Uh, special shout out to my friend CJ who introduced us so that she's like, you yes, need to thank go you, CJ. And I don't know if I should say Listo or Subco because she she goes by like certain work names and certain uh, professional writing names, but she is also an author who is amazing. So everybody, thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on the replay, thank you. Say hi. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to the Vox Vomitus channel and we will be back next week on Vox Vomitus, I think with Amina Akhtar, but I'm not entirely sure because we just got more things thrown at us and I'm like, I can't keep up. You know how that is. Thank you, Thank you so, so much for inviting me. This was so fun. Say bye.